Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. Little Johnny was just four years of age when he went with his father to the Empire State Building in New York City. They were going to the observation deck to view that magnificent city below. As the elevator ascended, the boy watched with excitement the numbers flash as they went by the floors, 10, 20, 30, 40, 70, 90, 100. The farther up they went, the more nervous the boy became. It seemed to him as though they were ascending into the heavens. Finally, he looked up at his dad and said, Daddy, Daddy, does God know we're coming? This morning, my friends, we're going to talk about heaven for a few minutes. And the first thing I want to point out to you is that God does know that we are coming. Oh, yes, he does. And he's prepared a special place just for us. You know, almost everyone wants to go to heaven. Uh, man has always had this belief in the concept of heaven. If you read Indian folklore, you read that the American Indian believed in what was called the happy hunting ground. He believed that when he died a good warrior, that he wasn't just thrown into the ground and would rot away, but he went to the happy hunting ground. The Hindus believe in what's known as the transmigration of the soul. And other pagan religions believe in reincarnation, that when a man dies, he becomes something else and keeps going on and on. But friends of mine this morning, only Christians have a real hope. Because Christ himself proclaimed in John 14 and verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. According to the Pew Research Center, roughly 72% of Americans say they believe in heaven, defined as a place where people who have led good lives will eventually be rewarded. The reason heaven is so universally believed in is because, according to Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has planted eternity in the hearts of men. In other words, God has placed inside of each of us the idea that there has got to be more than what this world offers today. Consider some of the problems that plague our society and world, such as war. And if you watch what's happening in Ukraine on the television, your heart must be torn apart as you see those devastating images. They are literally blood curdling. Then there's crime, natural disasters, pandemics, child abuse, racism, inequities of every kind, man's inhumanity against man, and death itself. 
Now, when you consider these societal ills, your sanctified mind must conclude that there has got to be something better than what we experience on this sin-cursed earth. There's got to be a place where God reward those who truly love him. Because of my role here at Loma Linda University Church, I spend a great deal of time around people who are sick and bereaved. When someone passes away, there are many lives that are impacted. When you encounter a family who has just lost a beloved mother, a father, a sibling, or a friend, there are many different emotions on display. Sometimes you'll see anger, distress, denial, disbelief, grief, sorrow, and sadness, all of which can be normal responses. Even when we have confidence that our deceased loved one was a Christian and that their suffering is now over, even when we know they are sleeping in Jesus, waiting for the trumpet call of God, it can still be difficult to say goodbye because of the quietness and that eternal just, just devastation of death itself. It seems to be just almost as though it's eternal. When we encounter those who are grieving, it's natural for us to want to make things better. We want to take their pain away. There is something inside of us that makes us want to help their troubled heart. But trust me, my friends, today, we cannot take away the pain of a troubled heart. We cannot take away their agony. Though we should be agents of sympathy and care to those who are suffering. But there is one who can take away the pain and heal the troubled heart, and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Here in John 14, that is exactly what he does. When we hear these verses, we naturally think about heaven because these verses reveal one of the most clear promises that um, we have ever known about that wonderful place called heaven. In this passage, Jesus promises his followers three things, a residence, a return, and a reunion. In John 14, 2, Jesus assures us the promise of a residence. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In the previous chapter, Jesus told his disciples that he would soon die. With this news, their heart and lives took a devastating turn. They were greatly troubled. Jesus knew how devastated they were, and he was concerned about their troubled heart just as he's concerned about our troubled hearts today, especially those of you who have lost a beloved loved one. Though the disciples were facing the toughest time of their lives, Jesus promised them a better day, and he promised them a better place. As followers of Jesus Christ today, my friends, we're given that same privilege today. And we're given a glimpse into that residence in heaven in Revelation chapter 21, there we are told of streets paved with gold, walls made of jasper, gates of pearl, and a crystal river. The foundation of that city is made up of precious jewels and gemstones. The beauty of our heavenly home is literally indescribable. Our finite minds cannot begin to imagine or comprehend what God has prepared for those of us who love him. You know, you could go to the most expensive mansion on the planet Earth, and it would fall miserably short of the glorious mansion that God has prepared just for you. Now, the most expensive home in the world is Buckingham Palace. Isn't it beautiful? 
Many of you have been there before. It's valued at $6.7 billion. Now, the most expensive hotel in the world is called the Lover's Deep Submarine in St. Lucia. I'm sure some of you have been there before. The Lover's Deep Submarine in St. Lucia. And it costs $292,000 a night. Have mercy. Any takers? <laughs> don't, don't get worried. There's something for you coming up. <laughs> if you want something a little more affordable, something that may fit within your budget, then you can go to the Empathy, Empathy? The Empathy Suite at the Palms Casino Resort in Las Vegas with a view of the glittering sights of Las Vegas on the Las Vegas Strip for only $100,000 a night. Oh, by the way, if you save up all your money and you get there and say, I'm here with my $100,000 to stay in this suite, they'll say, I'm sorry, you can't afford it because there's a two-night minimum. <laughs> Seriously, that's true. That's true. I'm not saying I went there and tried, but I read it. It's true. <laughs> as nice as those luxurious places are, they can't begin to compare to what God has in store for us. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. My friends, in heaven, no landlord will ever bother you for the rent. There will be no mortgage to pay. Hallelujah. And no one will ever foreclose on that home that's waiting for you in glory. I'm looking forward to that wonderful residence that Jesus has waited for us. How about you? Jesus tells us in verse 3 of John um, um, chapter 14 that we will have the promise of a return. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will, not I might, I will come again. Jesus told his disciples that though he may go away for a while, he will come again. And Jesus ascended into heaven, and that's where he is right this very moment. But one day, hallelujah, we are told that he will split the eastern sky and come back for his children. One of the most prominent promises in all the Bible is in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, and we read it many times at memorial services, which says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. What? First, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So as Christians, we are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things I'm looking for in heaven that we don't quite have right yet here on earth is unity. We live in a world where we're divided by race, we're divided by social class, by political affiliation and socioeconomic backgrounds. In recent times, we've seen these divisions lead to social upheaval, national protests, and bitter racial tensions. In our best efforts to rid society of the spiritual cancer called racism, we fall short. Even as a church, not necessarily this church, but the Christian church. Racism is a great masterpiece of Satan's design to keep us divided. 
But listen to what John said. I love it. John said, I saw the redeemed of the Lord standing on a sea of glass before the throne of God. In this spectacular sight, John saw people of all races clothed in white robes, holding palm branches in their hands. They had endured by faith every test and trial. Now they stand united as one harmonious family under the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm looking forward to that day. How about you? I'm also glad that there will be no homelessness in heaven. Many cities throughout the country and the world are faced with the dilemma of homelessness. But there will be no homelessness in heaven. Jesus promised, in my Father's house are many mansions. And then Isaiah 65 says, Isaiah 65, 21 says, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat the fruit. Friends of mine, I proclaim to you today that Jesus is coming back. I know it's been a long time. I know you've waited. I've waited a long time. My goodness. My grandmother, when she was a little girl, she said, he's coming back. My grandmother died 15 years ago at 97 years of age. But don't be worried. He is coming back. As a matter of fact, you know, honestly, I don't know when he's coming back. The Bible says that only the Father knows. And frankly speaking, it really shouldn't matter to us so much when he comes back. We should just be faithfully living our lives every day, fulfilling God's purpose for our lives, doing all we can to help other people know about Jesus. That's what's most important. For when we close our eyes in death, no matter how much time passes, when the trumpet sounds, it will be as though we were sleeping for just a moment. And the next face we will see is the face of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that's true. Whether we're speaking about the apostles and the patriarchs and the prophets who died thousands of years ago or our beloved loved ones who died just this past year. The promise of Jesus' return is not wishful thinking on our part. This is our hope. This is our firm assurance of things to come. Someone say amen. amen. And finally, finally, when Jesus returns, we have the promise of a grand reunion in the sky. Have mercy. How many of you like family reunions? Amen. That's a wonderful time. You go to family reunions. You see people you haven't seen in a long time. And then you see people you wish you hadn't seen at all. Have mercy. <laughs> the second part of John 14, verse 3 says, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Friends, I want us to know today for assurance that heaven will not be complete until we are there. Heaven will not be complete until we are there. There's going to be a great family reunion one day, and it's beyond anything we can imagine. The greatest promise we have as Christians is looking forward to the time when we will be reunited with our loved ones who have passed away. And spending eternity with those who have inspired us through Scripture, like Noah, Moses, Abraham, David, Daniel, Elijah, John, Peter, Paul, and others. At that time, we'll put on blood-washed wedding garments and take our seat at the banquet table at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then we'll sit down and dine with angels who never sinned. We'll talk with the faithful patriots and prophets and kings who led the children of Israel. We'll meet the champions of faith mentioned in, the he in Hebrews chapter 11. 
We'll meet the apostles and the early church members who followed Jesus and formed the Christian church. We'll meet the faithful ones of the Reformation who helped to carry the light of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the new world. We'll meet the martyrs of Jesus Christ, oh yes, those who died in faith and who firmly held to the promise of that first resurrection. And we'll be reunited with this ordinary people, ordinary people who were saved because of our influence in their lives. Some of you here today have parents who have gone to sleep in Jesus. Others have spouses who have gone on. Some have children who have died way too soon. We all have family and friends who have passed on. But we are assured that we will see them again, and we long for that reunion and when we see them again, they won't show any sign of the diseases and the pain and the agony that they had here on earth. Hallelujah. I attended a funeral service just yesterday at Montecito of a precious family who lost, uh, well, it was the daughter of the mother and the sister of the siblings. And, you know, that's very painful for a mother to have to bury her child. And it was so sad, and as they wept, as that casket was lowered into the grave, but what gave them hope was when they realized that one day that daughter will be raised up to newness of life. That's the blessed hope that we cling to today. Hallelujah. Mm. The only thing that will be greater than the beauty of heaven and the reunion with our loved ones is the fact that one day we will see Jesus face to face. Revelation 22, 3 says, the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him, and they will see his face. Can't you just imagine? When we get to heaven, and our Savior wraps his loving arms around us and welcomes us to our eternal home, we will see our Savior face to face. The song says, face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be when with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, hallelujah, who died for me. We will see the scars on his brow, his hands, his feet. We'll be reminded that it was nothing good that we did. It was nothing, you thought it was, but it's nothing good that we did that got us there. But it's only his amazing grace. Someone say amen. amen. And then that wonderful verse that I love so much that puts it all together. Is Revelation 21, 4, which says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the former things have passed away. I once heard a great preacher say that he doesn't imagine God walking around Pastor Randy with a big napkin dabbing each other's eyes. But he said that he's going to take away those things that have caused pain, and that will take away the tears. Why? Because in heaven there will be no more suffering, no more crime, no more sin. In heaven, there will be no more hospitals, no more intensive care units, no more wheelchairs, no more sleepless nights because of spasms and excruciating pain, no more wars, no more conflicts, no more racially motivated mass shootings, no more school shootings, no more church shootings, no more hunger, no more cancer, no more strokes, no diabetes will be there. There won't be need of chemotherapy or surgeries or disease or dementia. No more standing by our loved one's bedside, watching them writhe in pain and wither away in agony. And no more funerals and no more memorial services. Someone say amen. amen. 
I heard a presentation by the prolific evangelical Christian author, Johnny Erickson Tata. She was speaking about heaven. You know, Johnny is a quadriplegic due to a diving accident she had when she was just a teenager. As a result, she has been bound to a wheelchair for over 50 years until the complete care of others. In the interview, this committed Christian described the years of struggle and pain and yet how God was confirming all sorts of things in her life, even in the midst of her disability. Listen to Johnny. On that day, God is going to close the curtain on sin and suffering and Satan and something so grand and glorious in his denouement, the appearance of the Lord Jesus is going to be so amazing that it will suffice for every one of your hurts and mine. It will atone for every single one of your tears. And then God is going to lift the veil, the curtain on our five senses, and we will see the whole universe in plain sight. And I can't wait for that day when I can, hopefully, hopefully, I don't know, maybe I can take this wheelchair with me to heaven and I'll put it over there, right over there, this big old clunky thing with its grinding gears. I'm going to put it right over there and I, with my brand new glorified body and heart, I'm going to stand next to Jesus. Oh my goodness. And I will take his hand in mine. I can't feel in this hand. I haven't felt anyone touch this hand in 50 years, but... I will feel his hand in mine. I will feel those nail scars where he bled for me. And I will say, Jesus, you were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble. Because that thing was a lot of trouble. <laughs> but Jesus, the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. Jesus, thank you. And you know what? I know he will know I mean it because I know he will recognize me as the one who came to him every single morning hemorrhaging human strength and needing his divine strength to smile, not in spite of the disability, but because of the disability, because it's my sheepdog that drives me to him. So I, I used to say, and now Jesus, if you want to, you can send that thing to hell. Hallelujah, saints. Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So the question I leave you with today is, what has been your worst experience? What struggles have you had to deal with? For those of you who have lost a loving mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a friend, I want you to know right now that Jesus knows your pain. And he offers comfort today for your broken hearts. All that you suffered here will be consumed in his perfect love once we get there. All you've lost here will be perfectly gained once we get there. In just a few moments, you're going to see the faces of precious loved ones who are now sleeping in Jesus. Their pictures are going to bring to your minds wonderful memories of the love and the times that you've shared. But even in the midst of your tears, I want you to leave here today knowing that there's a day coming when we will see the long conflict between good and evil finally come to an end. Oh, what a day that will be. 
There's a day coming when we will see the dead in Christ summons from the grave at the sound of the voice of the one who conquered death. Oh, what a day that will be. There's a day coming when we will give up this body, this vessel that's subjected to the ravishes of sin, sickness, decay, and death in exchange for a brand new immortal body. There's a day coming when we will see Jesus reunite families again who were long separated by the cruel and painful sting of death. Oh, what a day that will be. There's a day coming when we will witness death, that we'll witness the death of death, I should say, and see hell and death cast into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. And when death dies, I want a ringside seat. Have mercy. And my brothers and sisters, there's a day coming when we will finally receive our Redeemer's reward of eternal life and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Oh, what a day, what a day that will be. You know, my Negro ancestors had it right when they sang Deep River. They saying, deep river, oh, no, 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 this is not my home. This can't be my home. My home is over Jordan, hallelujah. Their theology was correct when they saying, I've got a robe. You've got a robe. All of God's children got a robe. When I get to heaven, going to put on my robe. I'm going to sing. I'm going to shout. I'm going to dance all over God's heaven. What a day. What a day that will be. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at LLUC.org.